Hello, hello, hello. Conversations with Alaskan Gardeners back on the air. Margaret Tharp and David Lindrum. And we are a call-in show, 586-1800. KINY's regular call-in number will get you on the air. We're going to talk about landscaping and gardening questions. We're going to invite you to come and visit us at Landscape Alaska. And we're going to promote the pre-Mother's Day peony sale we're offering this weekend. Yeah, this weekend, and they're really this cool. Only, yeah. And I think we ought to have a garden party this year. Maybe at the end of May. Sounds great to me. You know? You know, maybe and, maybe, maybe we invite And Rick just Elton. have fun. Yeah. <laughs> Turn the music up. Let it be known we're dancing in the yard. So we're not dead yet. All right. So, uh, if you have any questions, don't hesitate to call. If you want to invite us all over to your house to look at your yard, we'd all be glad to come. And uh, if you have any kind of special events you'd like to advertise or or welcome us to, don't hesitate to do that too. So Landscape Alaska is Juno's boutique nursery. We're on the back loop road up a private driveway with no sign on the highway. You have to know where we are in order to get to us. You can find us on the web though. But you can look at our website and there's a picture of our driveway. There's also a picture of a map. We're between Goat Hill Road and Spring Way. And when you come up and look at us, you'll be amazed. You've never been there before. It's such a beautiful sight and looks out over the entire valley. Stunning. So, and we have been unloading our winter storage greenhouse and our new crops are coming in. Oh, and our, our nursery really took a bad hit. All our cold frames were crushed. We had to dismantle them and haul them away this week. And we're having new ones built by Randy Hulse, who That's is right. our contractor extraordinaire and Randy can build anything and he's invented something new for us and we're really looking forward to it it's going to get to be upscale so uh, please do keep us on your list this spring to come by and see us from time to time we'll be developing new things all the time when Margaret said the snow broke him down there was six feet of snow piled on top of our cold frames they were sturdy they were tough but by that time I'd already scraped off enough snow to fill the spaces between them. We just couldn't get any more there. Couldn't even walk into them. No, we couldn't. So that's a, there's you another probably, advantage. You there, could have probably surfed into it. There's advantages to being on top of the mountain, and there's disadvantages <laughs> to being on top of the mountain. No kidding. Okay. Anyway, looks like it's going to be a beautiful weekend. And even though we're not going to have the Mother's Day sale in the Safeway parking lot, come and see us at Landscape Alaska, and we have quite a collection of peonies we're putting on sale today. And our, uh, our uh, rhododendrons are arriving, and we have some ramapos that are starting to bloom. We have beautiful exotic roses available for mothers for Mother's Day. Yes, and it's just, the, it's springtime. The rose Margaret's talking about is called Miracle on the Hudson. Isn't there another one? Something about something of many colors or many. We've colors. only got a few of those, but That's you're right. We got some. I thought you. I, I thought you wanted them. No, no. Oh, okay. I, I mean, of course, I always want everything. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, and you know, we got some absolutely stunning red leaf beech trees in this week. I mean, they are already six feet tall. Good morning, conversations. Good morning. Is it okay to put lime and grass fertilizer on at the same time? Absolutely. Okay, thank you. And water it in. Yeah, you got to water it in. When you put it on the on the grass, you want to make sure you water it in so it goes down to the ground. You bet. Thank you. Okay. Uh-huh. Good luck. My lawn is full of moss. Well, your the lawn. The bunnies like it. Your lawn's like everybody's lawn. I mean, it is really thick with moss. If we took the moss out, it would just be dirt. 
So I'm going to leave the moss. Yeah, <laughs> I bet you are. We're going to put down uh, more tables and more black tarp and put some more nursery <laughs> stock on top of it. The lawn gets smaller every year. This year, though, when Margaret's talking about the bunnies, in the middle of the winter, the bunnies started coming out of the forest. Wild bunnies. And uh, eating, of all things, they ate the spruce, the little ornamental spruces. Those little flat, tiny-leaved spruces. Can you imagine being so hungry that you would eat spruce needles? I'm so glad it didn't happen to me. Absolutely. And the bunnies would would, uh, reach up to eat the spruce needles that are under the bottom of it. They'd be stretching up as far as they could to nibble those little leaves. And you're needles. Right. They're uh, needles, not leaves. Needles are needles. Leaves, leaves needles. Are needles. No, leaves sound soft and wonderful. Needles are pokey. Well, right. And spruce <laughs> needles are probably the pokiest of them all. <laughs> That's right. And we have Alaskan-grown, virus-free seed potatoes. And they're beautiful. Five varieties of seed potatoes. The people have been coming out and buying them steadily. But we still have a selection of most of the varieties. And we have the uh, Magic Myra the fingerling potatoes bred by the potato breeder for the state of Alaska, said to be the most productive of all potatoes grown in Alaska. We've got an improved gold variety. We've got Chieftain, the red-skinned, white-fleshed variety. We've got another one that's white-fleshed and white-skinned with really, really hard, hard texture. And we have the German butterball. And German butterball. The antique variety. Right. Oh, that's right. Um, gosh, what was that guy's name who had the, the uh, foreign car place? Horst. Who, Horst. Hey, Horst, if you're listening, we got the German butterballs on your recommendation. So give me a call. Oh, and speaking of, of on your recommendation. The yellow uh, rhododendron showed up. Artie, the yellow rhododendron is in. And I've got one set aside for you. And they're really pretty. This is the only yellow rhododendron that's hardy enough for us in southeast Alaska. It's called Capistrano. And it gets about four feet by four feet, but it's a bright, soft, butter yellow. Yeah, it's really, really really pretty. We brought them in about 20 years ago, and they grew to be mature and really pretty. Really, really pretty. Enough so that people would, would stop and pull over to the side of the road and look at them when they came into flower. Because yellow rhododendrons are very unusual. I love the name Capistrano. It makes me think of Italy, you know. Let's go to the Mediterranean, you know. Yeah, go to the Mediterranean where our yellow <laughs> rhododendrons in our hats. That's right. Okay, so uh, we've also got the uh, creeping blueberries and the lingonberries. People are going crazy for lingonberry. That's a really good evergreen ground cover. If you want something that's going to spread, look glossy, and give you an edible fruit, it's a wonderful, wonderful and plant. And it's tough. Really tough. It grows in all kinds of situations. They planted it down the Meridian and Vintage Park for 25 years and piled snow on it and put salt on it and drove on it, and it still survived. It was amazing. It's also the ground cover as you're going into Fred Meyer's store. You come into the grocery entrance there, that big bed of kind of right. decimated mugo pines. That's all lingonberry growing underneath there. Mm-hmm. Nice choice plant. Really, really shiny leaves. It looks like little miniature boxwood, and they're in flower right now. They bloom twice a year and give you two crops of berries, and the berries are bright red. It's, it's what grows wild here, and it's called low bush cranberry. It's such a wonderful, wonderful universal plant there. So the greenhouse is filled with... with uh, Pansies, with primroses, with columbines. Peonies. Peonies. The peonies are coming out today. 
coming out into the sunshine. Blueberries. And the pansies, when they came in, Margaret picked all the flowers off them. So they're just emerging from that so that the, the new flowers are standing up so bright and shiny. And big. And, and they're big. Yeah. And pansy is, is a real unusual flower, and it's an unusual kind of a name, too. Where's it come from? Well, it's the, the English translation of the medieval French pensée d'amour, which means remembrances of love. We got in trouble with this once. <laughs> <laughs> More than once, dear. And in Spanish, they call them pentamientos, which is the same thing, remem- remembrances. And they used to take pansies and press them between the pages of a book and let them dry out and then enclose those in their notes that they would send off to one another so that they would in have... Victorian times. That's right. So they'd have a little pansy. So you'd be out there someplace in the limit of the British Empire and get a note from home and there'd be a pressed pansy from your lover. There you go. That's right. Making you think back of fond thoughts. So anyway, pansy's a nice tough plant though. You know, you think about it as being kind of a soft and wimpy thing, but they can take frost, they can take rain, they can take bad weather, they can take disregard, and they just grow right on, smiling and growing, and they smell so great. And that's, when I was a little boy, my parents had a neighbor who said, sure, Dave, you can come and pick some pansies out of my yard for your mom. So one day he was gone, and I took my wheelbarrow over there, and I picked every (laughs) pansy he had all the way around his house and took him back to my mother. And my mother, needless to say, was somewhat distressed. <laughs> now she's 92 and she can kind of laugh about it, but it was many, many years she couldn't laugh about it. Well, there is such a thing as learning, you know, a polite amount. Well, I don't think I learned that very well. Not then, <laughs> probably not even now. And there's, there's all bu- kinds of stuff that we try new things every year. Lots and lots of new things. We're so fascinated by the new plant introductions and the new varieties. Listen, you were talking with someone about potato growing this week. Let's talk about growing potatoes. Oh, I because, had a long conversation, because, yes. Because uh, everybody has a different way, but it sounded to me like the way that person was growing potatoes was very successful. That person was talking about Ken Mitchell, who was kind of the gardening guru here for a long, long time. Probably still he, is. He's passed, but he's still the guru. <laughs> That's right. right. And his, his suggestion was that you wanted to have the sprouts from the potatoes be 10 inches long before you put them in the ground. And before you cut them up, right? Yes, yeah, sprout them first and cut them up later. And sp- sprouting them first is called sweating them? Chitling. Chitling them? Chitling them. Okay. Yes, and you uh, put them someplace where it's warm and moist and dark, and they're going to sprout. You know, potatoes sprout in the drawer in the kitchen, so that same kind of condition, kind of warm, a little bit moist in the air. A lot of people use a cooler and put them in a cooler in their garage and have a little bit of moisture in them. Not much, just a little bit. They don't want them to rot. Not standing water. No, no, just a little moist. And and the, the heated and the garage and the cover on it, so it's dark in there, and you can just imagine those potatoes growing away. And so that takes a couple of weeks before you plant them. Right. Ten days, two weeks, something like that. To get 10 inches. Now, I you mean, can. To get 10 inches. You can you plant d- them when they're only about an inch long. Right. Know? But this style. This gentleman said you got way more potatoes if you did that. Three times as many as he had when he had just let it grow a little bit and then planted them. The story was here. He did an experiment last year where... He got them to be about six inches long. 
and he some he laid so that the sprouts ran horizontally in his ditch. Uh-huh. And some he planted so the sprouts were vertical in the ditch and already hilled up. Right. And by the end of the season, the ones that had the vertical sprouts in them had twice as many potatoes on them, twice as much in bulk as the the ones that had laid out horizontally. Well, I'm going to do that. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to applaud you greatly. All right. And uh, you know that's kind of how that works, where people take the the sprouts and put them in the bottom of something like a stack of tires or a right. wooden box or something like that. And they can keep adding rings to it as it goes on. And they keep adding more soil to it as it goes on. So they're kind of making them grow up as far as you can because, you know, the potatoes, the spuds, grow between the surface of the seed potato and the surface of the ground, not below the seed potato. You would think that, oh, yeah, and the roots grow down, they grow down there, they got potatoes on them. But really, they're growing on the stems, the stems that are growing up out of the, the, the seed potato up toward the surface. So the more space you can get there, the more potato growing area you're going to have. So... This is a call-in show. If you want to ask David some more questions, 586-1800. 586-1800, that's us. Okay, and we also have just a few of the uh, columnar apple trees, which are in full bloom right now and just look stunning. They're, uh, they're an apple tree that doesn't make branches. It has a trunk that grows straight up and then has flowers coming right out of the trunk. And every place there's a flower is going to be an apple. Well, every place there's a flower, there's going to be about 10 apples. And then well, it's because every then place you have there's a flower, p- there's 10 flowers. Yeah, and so then you have to be able to pick and thin them out so that your apples can get to be a certain size. That's right. I had a tree last year that's about as tall as I am, and I had 40 apples on it. And, and you know, right there, just right snuggled up next to the trunk. It looked like grapes. It looked like a big bunch of grapes, you know, but larger. And although they're supposed to be self-pollinating, do you think they would do... Better with another pollinator? I you really think it's do. Weather I think what we've seen here is even though the plants say self-pollinating, we're going to get way more production off them if we have another pollinating variety. Which could be a crab apple even. Can be a crab apple. And one of the things why they choose crab apples for pollinators is that they have such a long bloom period. And they, so many flowers. That's right. And they stretch over. See, with the, commer- the, the eating apple, the window of flowering is pretty short. Mm-hmm. Maybe 10 days. So you need to have another variety that's both uh, genetically compatible with it and is flowering at the same time and has bees around so you can get pollination on them. And if you don't have that, you're going to either have to be the bee yourself <laughs> or, uh, you know, go take, a, go take a paintbrush and take some pollen from another one and go paint it on the flowers there. You know, if you're really a dedicated fruit grower, you may have to do that because... You know, I don't see this any year, bees yet. This year, we're going to be hurting for... I mean, there aren't even as many birds as there usually is. I mean, I'm just shocked at the lack of wildlife in comparison to what it has been in other springs. I mean, I think they just starved to death. Or they bypassed us. So too cold there. <laughs> going north. No, they're not going north. <laughs> well, that's where they're going. That's where they're going. They're going north. They're not flying south now. Well, it's cold up north. Uh huh. You think Maybe it's they're colder? Ho- they're hoping. <laughs> yes. Right. Absolutely hoping. So, the uh, the very first herbs we have rosemary in, and rosemary and peppermint. Everybody likes a little fresh rosemary in the springtime, and the, particularly when spring lamb comes along, we we'll have a little bit of rosemary with it. Mm mm mm. 
For bacon bread. Rosemary bread. So anyway. Is there a, a special kind of bread that uses rosemary? Any bread. Whole wheat, know. white, sourdough. Well, Put it in there as an accent of flavor. Uh, sounds great to me. I'll have some when we get around to it. So uh, we'll be open today from 10 o'clock in the morning when we get back from the radio show till 5 in the afternoon. And if you come up and come in the in the parking area, make sure that you situate your car so you can get back out again. We kind of had a traffic jam up there lately. <laughs> That's what we did. It's because we have our big trucks up there and we've got to get them off of there. Uh, we had materials. We're still moving material into the nursery, so... Uh, give us a, a little space as we come up and uh, watch out for our bigger trucks. Yep. So conifers. There are some lovely, lovely conifers that came this season. And one, we have some uh, western red cedar. We have red cedar growing in our yard. They're really pretty. Yeah, and fragrant. So pretty. And these western red cedar are ones that grow really fast. And so they're going to be able to get some kind of a a barrier for it pretty quickly. And they look so totally different than other kinds of cedars. They're uh, the, the kind of the classic look to it. It's, it's looser and brighter, but it's really the aroma that is the most powerful thing about them. So um, are we out of chicken manure? Two bags. So we have more coming this week. Yeah, we've got a couple more pallets of it. You know, it's really surprising when you think about uh, shortages of things, you never think about there being a shortage of chicken manure. Conversations. Conversations. Hello? Okay, try us again, maybe we lost you. Okay, so you never think about there being a shortage of things like, like chicken manure or peat moss. Peat Everything, moss. Everything's short. Everything, yeah, you think ever about Ever since it. the pandemic, it's like things have disappeared. I called my uh, supplier in Seattle and said, okay, I want a couple pallets of peat moss. And they said, you and everybody else, we haven't gotten any in a year. You know, so. Maybe in July. Yeah. So, who? Well, it's the same with trying to buy greenhouse plastic. They don't have it. Right. It's you can like, get it in November. Hello? Hello. That's <laughs> <laughs> If I have to wait till November, I may as well just throw this stuff away. And uh, so call 586 1800. It's a call in Yesterday. Sh- being inside the plastic-covered greenhouse and having the rain beat on the outside of it. And such, the hummingbirds flying oh, around. Such a comforting sound. And the hummingbirds flying around. It's going. kind of soporific, too. It makes you kind of go, do, 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 drowsy, drowsy. But it's so fragrant inside the greenhouses. And I know that, that uh, greenhouse construction and sales in southeast Alaska is booming. People are putting up greenhouses all the time. Good afternoon or good morning, Conversations. I think we're still losing you. I don't know. Are you still? Are you there? Hello. I can hear a voice in the background. Try us again, okay? Thanks. Okay. So I know that people are putting the up connection re- isn't successful. Whatever you're calling on, it's not very successful. Can you get a different location, and maybe you can call better? Because it sounded like it was coming through, but you couldn't hear understand what they were saying. Like so there is, a, there is a program by the uh, NRCS, Natural Resources Conservation Service, that supports building cold frames and greenhouses in your house and in your yard here in southeast Alaska. 
and lots and lots of people are doing it. The uh, story is that you have to buy the cold frame or greenhouse yourself and put it up. If you operate it for a year, then the NRCS will pay you back for it. And so if you're interested in that, you can contact me, but really it's the Natural Resources Conservation Service. You can look on their website and see the program. But I'm sure that there are over 100 people in Juneau that have participated in this. And, uh, and people like us have extra greenhouses that aren't even up yet. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go on. <laughs> I know. That's yep. right. I, I do have a disassembled greenhouse that I just have. I just don't have a space to put it up on yet. I know, but I will. We'll get more. And uh, one of the things about putting greenhouses up, you think, okay, I'm just going to cover it with plastic, but the regular polyethylene you go down to the hardware store and buy is going to break up under the influence of the ultraviolet light in a season. So you want to make sure that if you're going to do that, you want to get polyethylene that has. UV stabilizers on it so that it won't break up like that. It's probably twice as expensive, but the poly that we have on our greenhouse in in, uh, in our production area has been five years. We've never changed it. That's right. So it's been it's up been up for five years, and it's still fine. It, so it's well worth the investment to buy higher quality polyethylene. And that's a big greenhouse. Yeah. You would think that if it would rip or break down. It has lots of surface to do that. That's right. So uh, the, t- this is a special message to the lady who asked me to get her a weeping pussy willow. We have one. It's well, very pretty. It. We have it right now. I lost your name. If I can find it today, I'll make sure to call you. But I brought your weeping pussy willow in this year, and it just looks beautiful. It's about five feet tall and, and in full weep. Looks great. Yeah, and it'll do well here. And we do that. We take people's orders and try and find them because, you know, we have access to a lot of things out there in the nursery world. And then lose their name. Well, there is that. (laughs) That's much more my record-keeping and organization. I pulled out my notebook yesterday and took down some information about a guy, and he started laughing at me, saying, it's the digital age, Dave. What are you doing with our old analog method? It's what, what I, I like. Have. It's what I got. <laughs> it's, it's kind of where I'm at, too. I may not be a, in, the, in the full-fledged digital age at all. Let's talk about peonies. Since they are special today for this weekend for the Mother's Day sale, tell me something about the history about peonies, Dave. Well, they've been cultivated in China for about 4,000 years. So they before the, Christ. Yeah, 2,000 years That's before great. Christ. And uh, they are the official symbol of the monarchy, of the imperium. They are the imperial signal. So as the imperial levels, the different dynasties changed and they moved around China in different parts of the country, or the empire then, uh, different peonies were grown in different areas. And, And peony has been grown as a medicinal plant for an awfully long time. So it's kind of like the different plaids for the Scottish people. <laughs> they different houses would exactly. have different peonies. Exactly, different peonies. Right. right. And there are a lot, there are, I think I read that there are over 120 species of peonies growing in the wild world, different wild kind of peonies. There's, there's native peonies in Western North America, too. Great. That are wildflowers. So, um, but they have peonies in the Mediterranean. Everywhere. Right. 
Because right. it's part of the Greek mythologies, peonies. And, and one of the legends is that there's a nymph named Paeonia. And she was so beautiful that Zeus's daughter, Zeus's son, fell in love with her. And Aphrodite, the goddess of beauty, of was love. so jealous that she changed her into a flower. Well, love does it. It certainly does, doesn't <laughs> it? And there's another story about uh, a, another another demigod named Paeon who used the juice of the root of the peony to cure some other god, Pluto, to cure Pluto of a disease he had. And Asclepius, the, the uh, god of healing, was so jealous of him that he killed him and turned him into a peony too. Well, sounds like the development of mankind right there in a nutshell, a so peony shell. The, the peony varieties we have this year, we have a, a single red one called Sword Dance. We've got the dwarf ones that are bred specially for growing patio. patio peonies. That's right, mm -hmm. which is a big deal because the stems are short and sturdy. It's and really good for us And they continue to bloom. They don't just bloom at one time like the bigger garden-style peonies, but they bloom for an extended period of time. Oh. Patio peonies. Good. And uh, we've got two varieties of that. One is a rich pink and one's kind of a lavender mauve. And then we have uh, uh, four other varieties. Do you have any white ones? Um, maybe. I'll have to look and see. I know we've got Sarah Bernhardt, a pale pink double one. That's nice. Okay. Yes, it's a real pretty one. Well, one come the, see us at Landscape Alaska. That's right. One of the very first jobs I ever had in horticulture, I worked for a dahlia hybridizer, and he had me dig the peonies up out of his stable yard. We had to use a backhoe to dig them up, and then we used a hydraulic log splitter to split them off into different divisions. D to divide them. Because uh, the root itself was as, as tall as I am. Right. You know, it was six feet deep in the ground and huge, probably four feet across, just gigantic thing. Well, we have my great-grandfather's peonies. When we were on our honeymoon, we went to Margaret's relative's home, and we went to her great-grandparents' farm and dug up the peonies there and took Just them to one, our place. Just one, and it was, took five boxes to box it up and ship to Portland. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. Okay. Trophies. Trophies. Okay, so uh, in order to get in touch with us, we are accessible on the email, landscapealaska at gmail. You can reach out through our website. There are contact buttons there. If you want us to come see you, that's a good way to reach us. If you want to come and visit us, we're open on the weekends, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, until we have some more salespeople. Or by appointment during the week. Oh, yeah. If you need to come some other time, just call us up and make an appointment. And you can always reach either Margaret or I through our cell phones. And uh, my number is 321-4149. So we'll be there today, and we're going to be weighing potatoes and selling rhododendrons and explaining about peonies and have the greenhouse open and, and the selling raspberries raspberries and we're trying to get rhubarb that's right so we're coming up to the end of our show thanks all for listening and if you want to be on our regular email list so you get notified of specials sales and special events just send us an email and say put me on the list landscape alaska at gmail reach out to us we're looking forward to talking to you again next week. And uh, if you've got any special orders, special requests, don't hesitate to send them in. And remember, this show is available as a podcast through the KINY website. And uh, it's self-explanatory how to get there. 
but uh, you can listen to the past shows, current shows, and uh, make any requests you want. So this has been David and Margaret from Landscape Alaska, Conversation with Alaskan Gardeners. We'll see you again next week. And remember, happy gardening. Mm-hmm.